Hey, what's happening? This is your host Tinto, and before we get started on this weekend's episode, I'd like to give a shout out to everybody that got me coffees, starting with the one and only Mbingeres Extraordinaire TTT Day Bogus. Thank you for your generosity and continued support for the podcast. And next up, we have Tino. Thank you again for really amazing number of coffees and your comment there reads, keeping you fresh while you keep it coming. Thank you so much. I do need that fresh refresher. Thanks, man. And then we got Natty Carroll. Thank you so much for your generosity. And your comment there reads, thank you for all your hard work. This podcast has been thoroughly educating, eye-opening and entertaining between the mud things, the ah, the shames, the oh yes, the bro. <laughs> and your laughter, geez, is mad contagious. I am hooked. Thank you again. Stay blessed. Keep shining. Thank you so much, Natty. That's a really, really encouraging and supportive. If you'd like to do the same, please head over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash feeling station and give as your spirit leads. Remember, there's nothing too small to support the podcast that you've grown to love. With that out of the way, let's jump straight into this weekend's episode. The episode you're about to listen to contains descriptions of physical and sexual abuse that you may find disturbing. If discussions of this nature are likely to trigger you, I recommend that you skip this episode. Is that a breakup? I think we have a situation right here. Welcome to The Feeling Station, a podcast that touches on romantic family and friendship breakups that people would like to talk about with a view to give you lessons from my guest's experience. I hope you find the story entertaining, but more importantly, meaningful, given the lessons behind what my guest is going to talk about today. And as you guys already know, the podcast is popular for two main reasons. One, um, I do my best to keep my guests anonymous. And I happen to have last week's guest in the studio again. So so, so no difference there. <laughs> no change there. So your name remains Amadi, right? Yeah. which is an Igbo name from Nigeria. And that means free man. Um, free in thought, free in action, free in everything. Yeah. And um, you gave the female that you spoke about last week a name. Well, in fact, you spoke about three. Three, yes. So we spoke about Eve. Yes. We spoke about Jennifer. And we spoke about F.A. Uh, F.A. Yeah. Now, F.A. and Jennifer have been eliminated from this weekend's <laughs> discussion. <laughs> right? Because honestly, hand on heart, you know, when I, when I played back the episode, I really got the sense that the hour limitation that I try and stick to for episodes really limited what you really wanted to say yes. about your situation with, with Eve. Yes. So we're back here just to talk about Eve and just go really deep. Okay. So forget about that time barrier. We just want to really, really get into this. Right? So the story is about Amadi and Eve. And on uh, last week's episode, continuing with the lessons, the first one you gave one, the first one you gave was listen to yourself. And number two was assess every situation you encounter. Yes. And the third one was just be the driver of your own destiny, not family, not friends, not anybody. Yes. If you feel that there are any more lessons that you want to add, look, this is the platform for you to add onto it as we go. It, it will calm us. Um, it will come as, as we go. As we go, we go, as we go ahead, yes. So we're going to delve straight into it. Remembering what I listened to you say, um, Eve was a first time love for you, you know, from a young age. You tried something, it didn't work. But one of the things you pointed out quite clearly was she was materialistic. Yes. And that was evident somewhat in what we spoke about, but not in too much detail. So if we can pick it up from the point that um, you rekindled your love with Eve, 
because after your first marriage, you went back to Eve. Yes. And then you're like, okay, this is the one that I, you know, this is this is the one that I want to be with. Just walk me through that. Okay. Right, right up until the point that everything has broken down. So literally, you are steering the ship. Yes. Okay. I visited Nigeria um, sometime after my first marriage had broken down. Yeah. And um, I can't remember how, yes, it, it was Eve, she got in touch with me and we, 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 we were talking, you know, just before that visit to Nigeria. And when I visited Nigeria to go see my parents, mm. um, I made plans to meet up with her. Mm -hmm. You know, and this we're talking about, gosh, more than ten years after the last time I'd seen her. Yeah. So we met up. We, you know, went to. No, she came to my cousin's house to see me. You know, we got talking, and then we hung out, and we got and. You know, we're getting carried on talking mm -hmm. and sort of started rekindling, you know, that friendship again. And I remember her saying to me that, you know, she'd always thought about me. And when we did what we did when we were younger. Mm hmm. She was immature, that she's grown up to be a, a mature person now, and she thinks differently, and so on and so forth. You know, and I thought, okay, that sounds nice. Mm. Let's see where this goes. And we just got talking, and, you know, that, you know, relationship grew. Now, did it require you to say to her, let's try this again? Because all she's done so far is planted the seed to say, look, I was immature. Yes. I'm in a different space now. Did you take that as, let's try this again? Or you yourself actively said, let's try this again? I think it was a case of uh, not being direct and saying, let's try this again. Mm -hmm. You know, So she was in a way saying, let's try this again. Um, but not saying so directly just to see how I was going to respond. Yeah. And, um, and how did you respond? I thought, okay, let's see. You know, and, you know, uh, we didn't start anything seriously. And we kept talking even when I came back to the UK. Mm. And it was during those conversations that we thought, okay, there's something there. Let's build on that relationship. So who said that? You? She I, did? I can't remember. Seriously. It's, we're talking years ago. Yeah, I can't remember who said it. It may have been me. Yeah, of, of course. Um, being a man, you know, you expect her to be the one to say the words. So I may have been the one to have said it to her. Let's, okay, give it a shot. So you'd have seen something you like. And, and that's where I'm going with this. Because, yes. because for... Is this something that I seen, I, I thought I liked? Yeah. You know, it was an illusion of something. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, so there was an illusion of something. Yes. What was it an illusion of? It was an illusion of, you know... I'm a mature girl. I'm doing good by myself and I've got a job. I'm doing this business here on the side and so on and so forth. Um, and I thought, okay, she's independent. She's living by herself. She's got her mm. own place. Mm. You know, those are the things that she was um, projecting towards me. Yeah. And you found that attractive. 
I found that attractive because yeah. I always like an independent woman who's mm. um, doing right by herself, her own standards and things like that. You know, and um, she would um, say things because she knows the kind of person I am. She would say things to appeal to my personality, my profile. And the reason why I say my profile, because, you know, fast forwarding into the time that we were, that we were married, she said um, that she's always been attracted to my profile, my type of person. She's seen me as someone who's enterprising, you know, hardworking and doing well. So everything I, everything she did was feed into right me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, trying to what's the word I'm looking for? Fulfill the desire of the kind of person I want mm -hmm. as a you know as a woman, mm -hmm. but not really being that person. I don't know if you get what I mean. You know, I, I know exactly what you yes, mean. Yes, I hope the listeners you know, yeah. understand no, this. No, 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 yeah. I, I totally get it. So so she understood. Okay, so if I'm a kind of guy who likes soul music. Yes. Right? And you pick up that I like soul music. And yes. whenever we're driving, you just subconsciously turn on soul, soul music. Soul music, yes. And already I'm like, oh yeah, you know, she gets she me. She gets me, And we yes. start vibing on that front. That's yes. pretty much what she was doing. That's she, she, what she, she was she, doing. Okay. Yes. She was dancing to your tune. She was dancing to my tune. Thank okay. you for putting it that way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So... She's now dancing to your tune. You decide, yeah, okay, you know, this Well, she is... came to visit. So mm -hmm. she came to visit the UK, you know, spend some time with me and all that stuff. And then, you know, um, then we had obviously started the relationship. Um, she went back. I think she went back. Yes. And um, we, you know, obviously we're getting serious and we traveled to, she came back, I think the second time, I think. And this second time around was when I proposed to her. I took her to France. And then from France, I took her to Barcelona. It was in Barcelona I, pr I proposed to her. Nice. And, you know, and let's get married. Nice. Yeah. How long had it been since the initial conversation where she said, I'm a different person to you proposing? Was it months, um, weeks? It was months. It was months. It's probably about six, seven months. Which is relatively quick. Or thereabout. But is that because you felt you didn't need to do any groundwork because you, you had been... I already knew her. Oh, okay, I, thought, okay. I thought, well, I yeah. thought I knew yeah, yeah. her. Yes. Okay. So you propose, obviously she says yes. Yes. How long was it between the engagement and the wedding? Yeah, it was, um, it was about a year. Okay. About a year we got married. How, do, how did preparations for the wedding go? Normal. Mm. Yeah. We, it was a civil wedding. Uh, we did it at the court. It was a small wedding. And the intention was to do that and eventually have a, a bigger wedding. You know, back a home. More, a more formal wedding, yeah. Either back home or here in the UK. So you say the intention, did that not happen? No, it didn't happen. How come? When we got married and she came back to the UK, then the problem started. The red flags became, you know, blurring. And she was always wanted, you know, it, it appears that the white wedding, so as they call it, was more important than the relationship. To who? To her. Okay. Yes. But I just felt like 
the relationship was more important. We need to build on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so there were two things. Two things were the white wedding and getting preg- pregnant instantly. Mud. Yes. So she wanted to get married. So every single month, she was like, I'm, I'm seeing my period. I'm like, I mean, come on now. It's only just, we just got married. Every single month, she just wanted to, you know, she, she sees a period and she's crazy. Like, why is she seeing a period? She wants to get pregnant. You know? And when she eventually got pregnant, you know, she was like over the moon. How, how, how long had that been between it you was, guys getting I married? I think and... it was about four or five months. I can't remember exactly, about four or five months. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And um, if you could keep your mic just a touch closer to you. Yeah. You see? You see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get it now. I want that fuller sound. Yes. Cool. Yeah, go in. Yeah. So, yeah, it was about four or five months after we got married, she um, got pregnant. Were you excited by this? I was happy. You see, I've never really been a guy who having children was the most important thing in a, in a relationship, in a marriage. You know? I've always felt the foundation needs to be the parents. And that foundation has to be solid in order to bring a child into. And we hadn't established that foundation so it was a bit of a mixed bag of, yeah, excitement and, mm, okay, I hope this is right. Uh, uh, th- this is me just thinking how I would have perceived getting married. Yeah. For me to say you are my wife, I'm guessing it would be the point that I say, geez, this thing is solid. This foundation is so solid, I do not want to be with any other woman apart from you. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you had that foundation already because you've made the choice to get married to make her your wife. Absolutely. Of course, at that point in time. So everything I'm saying right now, obviously, mm-hmm. most of it is in hindsight. You know, but of, of course, at that point in time, I felt that this woman was going to be the woman that, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, ride or die together. So what other foundation were you really after when, when, when you think back? The only foundation was just friendship and, you know, and the marriage. Was, that was meant to be the solid foundation that would build that friendship. But I always found that resistance from her when it came to building the friendship. You know, she would see me just as the husband who's there to provide. You know, and it's not just his provision, you know, uh, materially. Mm-hmm. But being the sperm donor for, you know, having our babies. So let's rewind a little bit to the point where um, within about six months, you, you guys went from the conversation where she says, I've grown, I'm mature, mm-hmm. to you that you guys then going over to Spain and yeah. France to make her your wife mm-hmm. because you'd already established you know this woman already. Yes. You understand yes. this woman. So I'm just making the assumption from what you've said that your friends already. That's what I thought. Mm. It's what I thought. Because if we were friends, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll still be together today. Because friendship, you know, always, you know, when you have that foundation, that pillar of friendship in your marriage, 
that will hold you together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we didn't have that friendship. And I remember her saying to me one time, is that we cannot be friends, that you're my husband. This was after you got married. After we no. got married. Mad. Yes. Mad, mad. Yeah. So yeah. now, you see, I, I kind of see where this is going because now, now that she said this, you're now starting to feel, ooh, this foundation is a bit shaky because what's meant to be holding us together is the one thing that she says, I can't be anymore. Let me backtrack a bit. Mm. Now, when she came to the UK after we got married, mm-hmm. and she got her papers and she came over, um, the people that were my friends who she knew that helped her when she came before we got married, mm-hmm. she started to eliminate them from my friend, from my, from my life. Why? I have no idea. She started to you know, create problems and put a barrier between me and my friends. So, you don't strike me as the kind of guy who doesn't speak what's on his mind. I always do. What would have stopped you from asking why you're doing this? Because you could see it happening. Of course. And you, you're a guy who speaks your mind. Yes, and I will ask this. I'll give you one example. So, mm-hmm. one of them was a friend of mine who... I actually took her around, you know, went to get the wedding gown. I thought they became friends and so on and so forth. And then, you know, every after you know, after we got married, she would call to check on us and ask, you know, how we're doing. Mm. And then automatically she would now start saying, Why is she calling? You know, doesn't she know that I'm married now? But I'm like, this is someone that I thought you were friends with because she took you here and there, here and there. So what's the issue now? And this friend of mine, my, my friends are very mature, responsible people. And when they sense that, that uh, they keep their distance, right. that they, it wouldn't come across as though they are in, in competition in, in, now. Yes, or, in, for, for yes, or infringing yeah. on my marriage or anything like that. So that happened a lot where she put wedges between people who I considered, who were my friends, hmm. people who have been there in my life, you know, for a while. And... And the kind of person I am is when I'm in a relationship, I don't entertain friendship with female friends or, okay, let me put it this way, with, with people who, I, who have any emotional interest in me. I don't do that. I keep, oh, that, okay. I keep, that, I keep them at a yeah. distance because I like to respect what I have. It's not so much about, you know, the person I'm with. It is about that, but it's also about me respecting what I have as well because I believe that when you see that I have respect for my relationship with my woman, then you will respect that and not bring any BS to me. Mm. But for me, my, 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 my question really remains, why didn't you ask her why you're separating me from... I would, oh, 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 no, no. Or I maybe mean, you did. Yeah, no, of course I would ask yeah. those questions. Mm-hmm. And what would the know? response be? And the answer is like, you know, it would be random. It would be agitation, aggression, and shouting. And I'm not someone who likes, you know, those type of agitation. Because these are things that remind me of my my parents' relationship. Of course, you did mention the last time, you know, yeah. that your you know your dad will take it on the gym. Yes. Yeah, so I start to, you know, wonder what is going on here. You know, so I would rather just keep quiet sometimes and not say things to avoid, you know, agitation. And mind you, I was also a very busy person then. You know, out with my work, with trying to build a business and things like that. So my sanity is important. And even when I kept quiet when she would do crazy things, I'll give you an example. So I have this family friend. Mm. Yeah. You know, so I'd gone to visit them 
because um the the children were not well. So I've gone to visit them and I've I bought McDonald's then for the whole family. She knows his family. You know, and they made me a handwritten card, you know, telling me I love you, thank you for this, thank you for taking care of me. All the children and the grandchildren wrote me stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. And when I got home that evening after seeing them, you know, the card somehow, you know, I wasn't hiding it. It just, you know, maybe fell out of my pocket and landed on the floor somewhere. Mm. And she saw it and she went crazy. Like, why am I going to visit them? This and that, you know, and she started attacking me physically for no reason. Explain that, attacking you physically. Laying hands on you. Laying hands on me, of course. And I had my first daughter then. You know, she was probably about two, three. And I was trying as much as possible to avoid her. She would pull my shirt. You know, I ran into my in the home office then, which was on the second floor. She came after me, you know, hitting me. And in the process of me trying to avoid her and push her away, like push her out of my office and my daughter was there as well. And she tried to hit me and then accidentally hit my daughter. Oh, that's when I went mad. Mm. I went mad and I gave her the biggest slap ever. Anyone who wants to say, you know, use domestic violence, you know, in, in, in this case, it would be very stupid. Because this was, you know, you can call it self-defense or whatever, or domestic violence. This is me defending myself and my child. She hit my daughter, who was about two years old. Two wrongs don't make a right, though. Listen, man. The police came to the house that night. Because what I was seeing there was not a human being, but a demon. And it was scary. How could you, a mother, not consider the impact of what you're doing on the child there? So I had to use force. And the force I was trying to use there was to combat the situation, to allow me the time to get help. And that help was me calling the police. You know, while I was trying to force the door shut. Yeah. I don't know where this woman, me, I'm a strong guy. You know, I don't know where this woman got the kind of power to push the door. Me, I'm a strong guy, man. Yeah, then no, I, no, no, I can tell. You work out. No, forget, forget about now. Then I was even stronger. No, but the force that this woman was using to push the door, I don't know where that came from. While I was using my leg and hands to hold the door, I asked my daughter to get me the phone so I can call the police. And I called the police. That was the first time ever. You know, and it wasn't the first time that she had laid hands on me and also affected my daughter as well. But I didn't call the police. I took it on the chain. You know, I was scratched. I was beaten and all that stuff. She beat, like I had bite marks. But that night I had to call the police. The police came and there were two women. And back then, when the two women came in, the police officer was like, I'm done because 
I feel they will take aside no matter what. Right. Because obviously there's this situation that's been going on whereby the men are always seen to be the aggressors. You know, no matter what the situation is. And I'm of course she would lie. But, you know, as God will have it, mm. the truth came out. They asked me questions. They asked her questions. You know, and they arrested her that night. She was locked up in the cell because she became the aggressor to the police officers. Oh. They were asking her to comply to just being calm and quiet. She was being aggressive to them. You know, I explained the whole situation. And even when they said they were going to arrest her, I'm like, listen, don't take her away. Just let me, I'm going to leave the house so she can stay with the children. I'm like, no, they don't think it's safe for her to stay with the children, given what they've seen. They've seen. You know, I married a demon. You know, <laughs> I, I married man. a demon. You know. Wait, it's, it's crazy. I didn't, I didn't go into half of a lot of what I went through in the first episode that we did. Mm. But um, when I look back at some of what happened, I don't, uh, it's only God that protected me, I'll just say that. I'm not saying everything I did was right, but what I did was with the right intention to marry someone who I thought would have a family together and grow together. And, and I guess that's a perfect segue to where I was going to bring it back to, which is the point where you've mentioned that um, all she saw you as was a sperm donor because she kept seeing her period coming and coming and coming and this was upsetting her. Yes. And then she got pregnant and you said, yeah, you were kind of excited. What, was she over the moon? I would say, okay, I would say she was over the moon. Mm. I know she's had an abortion before. How do you know this? I remember she when she was very young. Mm. She told me. Okay, aborted some other man's. Somebody pain. else, not me. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. not me. Mm. I I don't know if she's had multiple after that. I, okay, but she had told me she had an abortion, mm. and her having or her getting pregnant was a satisfaction for her to know that she can still have children. So maybe that maybe that was a, maybe she maybe that all that was a fear. I see. Yes, and that's what I think. Right, I get that now. So it's not to say that she was ecstatic that she was pregnant, but it was just a mental validation that okay, I still have the biological validation as yeah, well. Yeah, to say that I can, can still yes, no, can still have a, a child. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So ba baby comes so along. So it wasn't. It wasn't more. It wasn't about building a family with me because she had told me, and it's like every a lot of things she told me. You know, were things that she had made up about her life before she married me. And she never wanted to get married. All she wanted to do was just to find a nice man to have a child with. So she told you this before marriage. After we got married. After you got married? Yes. <laughs> Jeez. After we got married. You think I'll hear that before? How, <laughs> uh, how did that make you feel, though, hearing that? Hmm. And 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 at what point in the was this in the pregnancy or no? After or, she had I had the child, after we had our that's first That's when child. these words came out. Yes. So how did those words make you feel? Used, of course. <laughs> in your but, mind, but you know, even though I felt used, mm. you know, I try not to keep those negative thoughts in my mind on and dwell on them. You know, I was still looking for 
letting time pass by and hoping that all oh, this is some kind of a it's a phase it's, it's a dream a phase yes you know it and that to pass yeah and that exactly and that she will see me as a man that um you know is right you know as a husband for her and and I, and I say as a husband not mm-hmm. just as a donor of anything mm-hmm. what were you doing to make her realize this i was loving her I was taking care of her. What does that mean to be loving someone? You know, I was there for her. I was being a friend. I was caring for her. I was home, you know, all the time. I don't, I'm not one of those guys who would hang out, you know, after work and go chase other women. I was loyal, mm-hmm. you know. Is, and, and I was trying to build that friendship and, you know, family with her. Is that what she needed? It's not what she wanted. What did she want? She wants to be free. She wants, that's according to her, she wants to be free to do whatever she wants. Married or not married, she was looking for the kind of man. Maybe she thought because the kind of man, she was thinking that the kind of man I was would be the kind of guy who would just, you know, marry for the sake of just having children or just having sex. And then she can go about do whatever she wants to do. Ah. You know what I'm I'm kind of struggling with? Reconciling what marriage in her mind looked like because on one end she wants to be free and have a child and still be free but then Let, and, let's and, let's qualify that term free we're using there because mm. this is not saying that you know because i think this is the thing with um most marriages you know if you want to be single be single Mm-hmm. If you want to be married, you know that you will have to, the way you live yourself, because when you when you get married, you are building a union. It's not saying that you lose your individuality, but there are things that you used to do when you were single that will take a back seat so that you can build on that union. Yeah. Yeah. If you're someone who, you know, um, how do I put this? Let me just use going to the club every Friday and things mm-hmm. like that. When you get married, come on, how can you build a marriage, you know, doing that every weekend? Yeah, no, it doesn't work. Yeah, you know, it's not going to work. But You can she, have the odd night here and of there. Of course, yeah, yeah, you can have the odd night. You can have your friends and all that stuff and so on and so forth. But your union, your marriage comes first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but she was looking for a situation where I'll probably be like, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, is it a stay at home husband or something like that? Where mm. she goes about doing her things, hanging out with her friends, traveling here and there. And, you know, which is part of the thing I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to reconcile because she still wants to be able to hang out with her friends, but she's alienating you from yours. Exactly. One, for starters. Yes. And the comment that you made and was... some what? of these friends were men. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... <You> know, <laughs> some of these friends were men. And some of these men, I mean, some of these people were in Nigeria, you know, and it, you know, it was only later I got to understand the kind of lifestyle she had in Nigeria, you know, which was not my type of person. It was going to club every weekend, 
partying, hanging out. So those things that she presented herself to be, to me, was not really who she was. Did you not pick this up because you were distant from for for some time? I didn't pick it up because of the distance. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that. That's always part of the risk of long distance long relationships. Distance and that whenever you do communicate, it's when somebody's on their best behavior and they always present their best behavior. They present their best behavior because you only have a couple of minutes to talk, say in a week. Yes. Or in a day. Yes. So you want to capitalize on what you can in that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys are married. Uh, first, first baby is born. And you've already picked up that there's some red flags here. You know, there's things that you that, that you don't like. I've picked up a lot of red flags. Uh, you know, because when you're with someone, they, mm. they can't really hide much. You start to pick up a lot of things. So what I want to do is pick this up chronologically from the time that the baby is born. Yes. Just pick it up from there. What are some of the things that started making this whole thing head towards an end? The ambitious person I thought she was, like, develop yourself here in the UK, mm. get a job, get some kind of skill, whatever, that disappeared. So I was his sole, I was his sole contributor financially. I don't mind that. Mm. If that is a choice you've made, and that's what you want to do. That's fine. But support me. I wasn't getting the support. There were times I would come back from home, no food. I would jump into the kitchen, I mean, and start doing my own cooking. I would do my own ironing. I would do everything after, you know, after, after, after a long day's work. What was the reason why she wasn't supporting is is it because she's I, tired from from, nope. from from being with a baby? No, or? no, even yeah, no, 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 because most times she's just in front of the TV. And what I got to understand later was that this was part of a process of deconstructing me to the exit point that she had in mind. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. And I think everything she did was well thought out. And then it got to the point where she stopped having sex with me. So, I, w- I want to keep track. Yes. This is how far after so, baby is born. Um, We're talking about months. And of course, I know, I mean, when baby is born, come on now, mm-hmm. you and I understand that one. I'm not going to be asking for sex. I'm not, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, crazy. I've, you've got to heal and all that. Mm. You know, I'm not, nah. She was the one that was actually even wanting sex not long after the baby was born, mm. you know, and I was like, come on, you need to heal and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. you know. So six months, maybe? Um, six no, to 12 months? Le- less, than, less than 12 months. Less than I mean, six months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, less than six months. The, the whole sex thing? Yeah, yeah less, hold on, I'll, I'll, let me just, yeah, a few months after baby was born, it didn't bother me. And then what she did was now move, she now started sleeping in a separate bedroom. And I didn't find that to be nice, you know, and uh, my brother, man, that that whole thing was, um, (laughs) it was messed up. I can tell. It was messed up. It was really messed up. But, but, But what's also happening is you're, 
you're scheming over the surface of that. Is that is that deliberate? Are you choosing not to really go into that because you just taken a really long pause? And then your comment was, my brother, that was very difficult. It was difficult because I just reflected on what that was doing to me then. So what was that doing to you? I was just, number one, my dignity was being um, challenged. You know, my dignity as a man was being challenged. And um, when I look back to how I can't really perceive or put myself in this in this state of mind I was back then because I've overcome all that. Mm-hmm. But when I look inward now as an outsider to that whole situation, you know, the kind of person I saw me to be or to be, or, or, or the state I was in was a really sad one, and that doesn't reflect me as a person. Mm. Yeah, it was a really sad one to see myself being broken down, you know, with everything that I have accomplished in life back then and trying to build on that by having a woman, a wife support me to build on all that, which wasn't happening. And to see everything, like everything come crashing down. Yeah, that was, um, it's just a miracle. And I, like I say, it's just God that probably helped me get over it because on my own, I just, it would be impossible. People have died. People have died. Men have died. And like I was saying to you before the episode, mm. you know, um, a friend of mine reached out to me, you know, a, a guy that we know, I didn't even know he was going through this, went through a similar situation mm-hmm. and he died of a heart attack, a stroke. Yeah. Because he couldn't deal with the stress. He was married twice as well. And he never got over it from what I understood. And all he ever talked about, even after the wife, you know, left him, was how these women have broken his heart. How, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm a different person. So um, I just thank God that I was able to get out of that situation. So trying to replay some of what has happened in my life in that marriage mm-hmm. is hard because I'm having to dig deep to get there again, which is okay, which is good. I don't mind doing that. Um, and this will probably be the first time that I'm kind of trying to chronologically yeah. Break it down. Laid out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I thank you for doing this with me because um, it's given me an opportunity to see, you know, how or what I've been through and reinforce within me never to make that. I don't know. I don't want to say mistake Because I don't want to be so not trusting of people, of women. But I guess we have to be. We just have to be. Mm. You know, and... You know, the only thing that I would always, that I would always say, 
was my regret from that whole situation was if we never had kids, mm-hmm. sure, long gone and dusted. But it's my children that are the ones that I always keep thinking about and I always say, you know, that's the worst gift I gave them. That is um, something that I will come to when we eventually get to the point that you have baby number two. Yes. So the picture that I have so far now is, okay, you know, the situation is is changing, you know, very, very quickly. So you have an idea of what a husband and wife really should be, like an our loving family should be. Of course, yeah. Supportive of each other. You know, you're supporting her with the baby. She's supporting you whenever, let's say you've had a long day's work. Yeah. And she, you know, just want that that food to come and rest, et cetera, et cetera. But now it's morphing into a situation where you're not physical. Mm-hmm. You you well not physical. You're not you're not intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not having sex anymore. She's sleeping in the next bedroom. I'm gonna ask you a very personal question. Yes. When you were making advances to have sex with her, how did it feel being turned down? And more than how did it feel? How did she turn you down? And I'm asking this because of the look you had in your eye when mm-hmm. you spoke about her moving into the next room and you stopped having sex. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it ran deep. Yes, at that time, it ran deep because I didn't make any conscious decision to stop having sex with her. Mm. You know, And she's my only source of sex, no mm. other woman on the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was very... Um, I was... Like a blow below the belt, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, eventually she did come back into the bedroom. Um, she never actually turned down sex. You know, but in that situation, I don't know what she was trying to do or trying to achieve. If she had said to me, I just need some time and all that stuff, then fine. But it wasn't the case. Mm. You know, so. And when it comes to sex, I'm, you know, I, I, I've got my pride. I don't beg for it. I just like it to happen naturally. So um, the whole not sleeping in the same bedroom with me was not just about sex. It was about the relationship. What is that doing to us? And where is this going? If this continues like this, then what do you expect is going to happen? Mm. I was trying to fight a losing battle because I feel she already wants out without saying it while I was trying to bring her back without knowing that she's, these are all planned to, 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 you know, exit, exit. That was going to be my question actually to say in the moment, because now you're doing this in hindsight. So, mm-hmm. so, so you're looking from a layer above and you can see, but in the moment, was it perceptible to you that this is what she's heading towards? And you pretty no. much said, no, it no, wasn't. No, it wasn't. In all of this, you know, you've not really said much about your child. My daughter was a baby then. How was your relationship with her? Oh, it was very good. Oh, my goodness. My man, I have a very close relationship with my daughters from when they were born. Mm. I was always there. I would do the old diaper thing, change, give them a bath, da-da-da, play, roll on the floor. It got to the point where I noticed that my, you know, my wife then, her ex-wife, has this jealousy. She doesn't like to see me. I don't know. She has this, 
man, that <laughs> it's um, she has this jealousy about my closeness with my daughters, and that carries on till this day. My daughters are grown. We are tight. Mm. She's tried every single thing to break down that relationship. Turn them against me. Tell them lies. The only way I'll know these lies is because they tell me. Yeah. Their yeah. mother says. No. So we have a very well, I have a very close relationship with my daughters mm. because I spend time with them. You know, I even though I'm, you know, when I'm not with their mother now. You know, I'm never going to be, I'm never, I would, I will not be a weekend father to my children. I'm there every time, every mm. day, even though, they're, even though they're not with me. You know, so yes, then I have a close relationship with them. Yeah. Yes. She, um, she should have been a, a source of strength for you, I guess, you Absolutely. know, you know, with, with what was yeah. happening at the time. Mm-hmm. So Eve now comes back to, to the bedroom. Does, um, does the intimacy improve? It was just satisfying the sexual urge, man. It wasn't intimacy because um, there was a lot going on, you know, that I didn't know. And I can sense something, you know, and when I sense these things, all I'm doing at that moment was just, you know, just playing my role to see how things, you know, evolve. Three years into the marriage, this was after my first daughter. Mm-hmm. I remember saying to a friend of mine, I'm going to give this marriage five years. And if it doesn't improve, I'm out. And it was during this time that the second child came. And of which... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see, you can see where this I is going. Yeah, you're, you're, moving, you're, you're moving in your I'm chair. Moving, you're moving, moving in your chair. chair. <laughs> because before we recorded, and I said, don't tell me this, right? <laughs> Here's the image you've painted yes. to me mm-hmm. and maybe to those listening right now. Mm-hmm. Is that you've married a demon. Yes. Because when you told the story about trying to shut the door, you said you don't know where that strength came from. Yes. If you know you've married what you're calling a demon. Why do I have a second and child? And you already know that <laughs> intimacy is not the same as just satisfying a sexual urge. Why are you going to go and have a child? You know, it wasn't deliberate. How is and it not deliberate? It's not deliberate. And I know you would say, why didn't I use a condom? Yeah. Or, 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 or why wasn't she on some form of contraception? Well, I think she was. Yes. Uh, she was on contraception. And I thought she was. Yes. And I thought she was. And she had switched between the three monthly injection one. Right. And the pills. Okay. And I thought she was on contraception, mm. you know, and why am I still having sex with me? Well, she's still my wife, even though she's yeah, still, yeah, even, of course, even, yeah. even, even though I see her, I, I think I've married a demon. Mm-hmm. And if I could read the future at that point in time, maybe <laughs> <laughs> I would have run away. <laughs> I would have run away. You know, uh, but <laughs> I couldn't read the future. So I had to, I had to just keep, it almost became like a role play. Explain. To just see where this leads to. 
Because at that point in time, I already knew that this marriage will not, you know, so you already survive. Know, so you already know where it's going. I, I already knew where it was going. I knew. And all I just was, all I was doing was, even though I knew, I was still hoping that maybe I was wrong. You see, I don't know whether this is a good thing that God can't let us see the future or it's not. You know, right? That's for God to answer. <laughs> yes. But what he does bless us with mm-hmm. is the past and history. Yes. The past you've dealt with, with this person, the history associated with this person, the flags that you've already come across are telling you a big story, big, massive story. And I have a feeling your gut is telling you that don't do this. Don't continue having sex if you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. But I know it's your wife and you've got a sexual urge and you'd rather fulfill it with her than somebody else outside the home. Yes. But you were running a huge risk. It was a massive one. Was it a risk worth taking? Yes. Explain. Even though she got pregnant the second time, I wasn't happy about it. And I remember getting angry about it and said, you know, why she wasn't taking her pills or what do, whatever. What are we angry about? I was angry that she got pregnant the second time around. And I felt like, you know, I, I didn't expect it because I thought she was on the pill. You know, and, and because I was already thinking that after the first child, what's the point of having the second child when the foundation is not solid? It's shaky, yeah. It's shaky. Yeah. Mm. And also, I was already thinking this marriage is not going to last. I was thinking, you know, I can't deal with it. So... I came to terms with the pregnancy. I got to see it was a good thing in the end. Because I didn't know what was coming down the line. Mm. And I'm glad that my you know, my first daughter has a sister. They have each other. Okay. Yes. I, I see what you mean. So you're saying it's a good thing that the firstborn had a sister. Because it might have been too much for her to deal with it would have been as an only much. child. Yes, it okay. would have been too much. And given the fact that the way the social system is here, they mm-hmm. will entrust the care to the mother, even though the mother is a demon, until something goes wrong, because I experienced that with social services, you know, and the court system, very prejudiced towards men. Very, very prejudiced towards men, no matter what. It's changing gradually, mm-hmm. but they will always you know, give priority to the mother, no matter what. So when, this is just fast forwarding now. So, you know, when she left, or maybe it's a question you're going to come to later on, you know, I saw the value of having my, my, my older daughter having a sister because they would obviously complement each other. Mm-hmm. Because if that wasn't the case, my older daughter would be bruised yeah, emotionally. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's very sensitive. His second daughter is very strong. She's more very. She's got a strong mind. She's like me, you know. So I, I'm glad about that. So I didn't know that then, 
Mm-hmm. But obviously now, I'm glad that um, they have each other. So I come to terms with that. I came to terms with that. And um, I, I love them both the same. Mm. Yeah. I love them both the same. So pregnancy number two happens. Was it the same reaction? Where she's like, oh yeah, I can still have kids. Or because she's had one, she was a bit more excited no, this time. No, this time no? around it was just... It was... Um, still bit, waters. It was just... The excitement wasn't that much. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So a little baby number two comes along. Um, I know you've mentioned things to do with the but with the social services. Mm-hmm. Why did they get involved? So this was only after the um, after we went our separate ways. Okay. Um, so 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 maybe before we get to that point, are there any other huge red flags that that happened when baby number two? came in are there any events oh, that oh, oh, really oh, oh. set both of you off that you want to share yes there are so many mm. besides the fact that well my mother came when baby number two came she was there she came and there was this unusual friendship developing i'm not saying they don't need to be friends or anything like that but there was this unusual friendship developing between my mother and the ex yeah, which you know, was um, cause I I had done to some extent made them aware of some of what I was going through, and I didn't want to I didn't want to bring my business to them because I think my business is my business. You know, I just expected them to, especially my mother, just to take a neutral position. So when you say so, weird relation between your mother and your ex, we're talking about Eve. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. No. The current, of course, nobody mm-hmm. else. Well, Eve is the focus right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know. So I didn't understand that. You know where. You know. You know my mother would believe Eve. Eve was a liar. She tells a lot of lies, and that's one of the things I've noticed about her. Mm. Actually, let me backtrack a bit. There was a bit of a. There was something that took place some time ago. This was when baby number one, was it baby number one? Yes, baby number one. She had this friend. And friends have always been, her friends have always been a negative influence. You know, they've been, yeah, the kind of friends she had, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know the kind of thing they put into her head. And I think they were part of the conspiracy to help her get out of, marriage. I don't know what she told them. But um you know, she had this friend. My spirit just didn't agree with this person. Mm. And one thing that I am fearful of is um any involvement with spiritistic practices. You know that was juju. No, hey, <laughs> you saw the look in my eyes. Bro. I was like, "Yo, fam, that word is too big, it's too big." You know, in other words, I think a lot of your listeners understand that term, juju. <laughs> yeah, I'm very, 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 very man. That thing scares the hell out of me. So, did you feel that she had a friend oh, who practiced wait, juju? Wait, wait, wait. Yes, number one. Mm. And something happened where this person who. I know hated me, didn't like me for no reason. 
out of the blue just brought food to the house. Mm-mm. I'm like, no, put that in the bin. And I've said to her, this is my feeling about this person. And the reason why I'm saying that is that there mm. were instances where she would tell me she's seen demons in the house. Who? The friend? My ex, mm. Eve. Mm-mm. That she's seen demons in two instances. And, you know, one looking like, you know, somebody who was um, like an NFL player, all massive and huge and all mm. that stuff. Mm. And then the second one, I can't remember what the second one was. I don't, I'm, I'm not scared. When I say I fear these things, you know, not that I'm scared of, I'm not scared of, you know, I'm not scared of anything. Mm. But my fear is someone bringing it into the house and I don't know, you know, and I wouldn't know what, what's going on around me. I need to be in control of what is going on in my environment and know the sources of things happening around me. So, so, so when these sightings are happening, were you in the house? Were you outside the I house? Was in the was house. She, you I, were in the house. I was in the house, yes. Asleep, awake? Asleep. And she's awake and she's seeing all of this I stuff. don't know when she's seen them and she would tell me. And I'm Mad. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, man, I don't know the people you're hanging out with. So bear in mind, you said that this person's a liar. I believed what she was saying because after we got married, she revealed to me that she and her friend in Nigeria mm. were going to take my picture to a juju priest to put me under a spell. Uh. Whether they did it, why is she telling me? Maybe is she telling me to test to see if I'm under a spell? Whether how I'm going to react, I don't know. Did you say they were going to or they took a picture? She said to me, that they were going to. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, did so you what did it? you guys do? Yeah. She said, no, she didn't do it. Mad. Do I believe that? But the seed has been planted now. The seed has been planted. Mm. <laughs> You're drinking your juice. <laughs> uh, this, you know, I, I, I got goosebumps. I'm not joking. I got goosebumps. Yeah, that, that's some scary stuff. It is. So, it was from that point that I had to be very cautious mm. of who I was. So I was living with a demon. When I say I married a demon, and I was living with a demon, living with you know somebody who was potentially very dangerous. And that's why I keep saying that it's not by my own might that I got out of that situation. Because I'm sure that this guy who died as a result of the stress he went through didn't go through what I went through. Mm. You know, but it's taught me a lot. So did having to deal with spiritism. From someone mm-hmm. who I thought was a friend or wife, you know, so it was just God that protected me. So that food got chucked away. It chucked. It got chucked away after the friend had gone. Yes, it got chucked away. Yeah. Yeah, you never. I don't, I don't know what's in it. Yeah, you will never know what would have been in it. Yes, and she and the kind of people she hung out with were people. Man, I don't know what the hell, you know, some people here in this city, man, that I would never even bring myself to hang out with. And I know one of them had her child taken away from her by social services. Eish. One of our friends. Mm. You know? So, I don't know. I'll tell you what happened once. At one point, that we were, um, we were looking to move from where we were living to move to another house. Mm. Um, and 
I was at work and she was supposed to be going to do the viewing. I had the two daughters, the two girls then. Mm-hmm. And every what I usually do is every lunchtime, I will call my daughters to talk to them. I will call them to check up on them and see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And this particular day, I called. I was yeah. at work. I remember I was working for BT then. Mm. And... um. I went into one of the meeting rooms and I called. Phone was ringing. Phone answered. And she has two phones. Phone answered. And I kept saying, hello, hello, hello. Nobody was talking back. Mm-hmm. But I was hearing voices in the background. And it was her talking with her friend. This her friend who I told you brought food to the house. Yeah, yeah. You know. And I realized that, oh, she didn't answer the phone. And she didn't know I was listening to everything oh, oh, in the background. right. It's one of those where you, you accidentally answer it. it no, it, it, I, the, she didn't answer the phone. So, so, so how did you hear I don't what? know how the phone answered itself, Fam, man. you're creeping me out, blood. Seriously. Wait, no. Let me say this, man. And I stayed on that phone call. The mistake I made was not using my second phone to do a recording. And I don't know if phones had back in those days used to have a recording device. Yeah, yeah. I was on that call for about 45 minutes. And all she was doing was running me down with this friend of hers. This is the wife I have with me. I have two kids with. And all she was doing was talking bad about me. About how I'm controlling, how I'm this, how I'm that. How I don't give her money. How she gave me money and I have not given her the money back. Wow. But this woman was just there. Never said one thing about her own husband. For 45 minutes, I listened to that phone call. So I decided to do a test. Mm-hmm. So I used my second phone to call her second number. Mm-hmm. And I could hear the second number because I was just wondering, how come she doesn't know I'm here? I'm on. I'm hearing this. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I called her second number. I didn't want to let the, you know, end the other, the, the, the other <laughs> call. Still wanted to hear the gist. <laughs> and, you know, and, I could hear her second number ringing. And it was ringing out loud. So she would come to the phone. I think she would come to where the phone was and maybe see that it was me and then walk away or something mm. because I was hearing the depth in the movement, mm. the distance between the, the, the person and the voice. Mm, mm, mm. So eventually, she answered the phone and I said, I've been calling you guys. I was, you know, she didn't realize... That I had listened to all the conversations, so I'd ended um oh, the other one. Yes, and the yeah, other one. Yeah, yes. And she said um that I'm at the park with the children. Wow. I wow. This I would never, never forget this. And I said, okay. I said, have you checked? Have you done the viewing, the house viewings? You know, she said, well, she's going to look at one house or something like that. You know, later, she just came to the park with the kids. Mm. Yeah. I didn't ask her about it. I let three days pass by. But I was just waiting. What were you waiting for? I just wanted to give you time. And I asked her, you know, three days after, so where really were you? Because I called. I was thinking about how to, you know, um, bring this up. And um, you were not answering. I told you I was at the park. 
And and I said, no, you are not at the park. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, you are not at the park. You are, you are with your friend. And I called you. Your phone answered itself. And I heard everything you were saying. And this woman looked me in the eye and told me I was at the park. Mad. I was shocked. And I'm telling you everything you said on that phone call. And you're still lying to me to my face. This is not three months after. This is three days. Which is short enough a time for you to remember what you were talking about, especially if it was that deep about your husband. It should be easy to remember. Why would she be talk, saying lies to her husband, to, to this woman when everything that she's saying is not true? Yeah, she gave me some money. Isn't that what husbands and wives do? Mm. Because of that, I gave her the money back. And I started to treat that relationship as a... So even after giving that money back, that didn't trigger her memory, in quotes, to remember that this is what I was talking about with my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. You know, I, guess I started not. to treat the relationship as a transaction. No, let me just keep providing until wherever this leads to. And I mean, I must say something, though. Yes. You know, given the fact that you've seen... That there is so much trouble in paradise, you still want to see where this is going. It's going where you can see where it's going. I still wanted to. But you're not putting the brakes. No. Why? I wanted to come to a natural end, not by my own hands. And and the natural end was at the five-year mark that you said? At the seven-year mark. Hi. How did the two years come up? Because you said if, if this goes to five years... I'm giving this five years. The two year was extra time I said doing football. <laughs> <laughs> beyond, reason you, beyond reasonable doubt. Were you still having sex then? No. At what point did you stop? So at what at five year five mark, I think. Because at that time I had consciously separated myself from her. I think consciously we're in the same house. But that was it. I moved into the bedroom in the guest room. I moved into the guest room upstairs. So you remember what that did to you when she moved into the guest room? No, at that point I was saying this is over. What did it do to her? Unleash the demon, the devil. Because every single day was, I want out, I want out, go and get the divorce papers, this and that. Or she will come to my room, I want to have sex with me. And there are times she will force me, will battle. What do you mean? She would force you to have sex? Yes. <laughs> it's like Charles Flake, man. But she, she would come to me. <laughs> it was as though I became the, the woman and she became the man. <laughs> she would come to my room upstairs and, you know, want to have sex. I'm like, no, I can't. You know, on on few occasions I succumbed, but each time I succumbed, I felt dirty. Because in my mind, at that point in time, the marriage is over, and I cannot be having sex with someone who I don't have any emotional attachment to. That emotional attachment was broken at that point in time. So each time, you know, those few times I succumbed, I felt dirty for a few days. 
you know. And then the last time she did come to want to have sex with me, I was a no-no. And I had to use, I'm like, this is not right. We know where this is going. And I feel like someone who is, I hate to use the word, but I'm not going to use the word, the R, the R word. I'm not going to use it. But what's the R word? Rape. Oh, yeah, right. Yes. Okay. People will say, nah, a man is never raped. A man cannot be raped by a woman. I don't think that's true. Do you feel like you were raped? What was the feeling I was feeling afterwards? Feeling dirty. What was that feeling? I know there's something that they call post-ejaculation loathing. Which is which sounds a lot like what you're describing. Mm -hmm. Where after you've had an ejaculation, sometimes you just say, Okay, so what was that? Yeah, but no. You know, but this is but obviously this is this was induced by someone you don't have uh you know, someone you resisted. Mm. I don't know enough about that to to, to quantify what, what that means. What do what, I I don't know much about how you know this, yeah. this is becoming this is this is taking into a sense level. But you know, when women are raped and I sympathize with you know a lot of them, I don't know what feeling it is. And I, and the reason I'm saying this is because I have dated girls who have told me that they were raped before. You know, I'm I'm still close to some of these people. You know, and when they share their experience with me. Yeah. You know, it's um it's deep. You know, I can see, you know, how yeah, quite a few of the girls I've dated have been sexually abused by, you know, people in their lives. And that feeling they have afterwards is not a good one. So I'm not trying to equate what I felt to what I don't know, maybe the dynamics are different for men, you know. But that post, um, resentment toward the person, the whole situation, how it made me feel. Come on, man. It's not the first time I've been with women. I mean, I've never felt that kind of thing towards anybody before. Mm. And that's why I had to put a stop to it. And that was it. After that time, she never came back. But then that was when the real problem started. You know, every single day, you know, she'd be doing this thing where she's singing loud and just talking, like, annoyingly. And then she would come to my door and said, and the kids were in the house. Oh, my goodness, man. These girls, I don't know what they've heard. She'd be shouting. Go and get the divorce papers. I'm tired. I want to go. And I'm like, seriously, you know, the kids are here. I'm like, go get the papers. You know, I will sign and you can go. But let's do things amicably. Let's do things amicably so that the girls are not impacted by this. I will get you a house. Let's plan. Mm. You know, by March the next year. You know, I'll get you a place. I'll pay for it. And then we can just keep, you know, keep the girls out of, you know, what we're going through and just process things mm -hmm. properly. Every single, almost every single day, I'm getting this 
craziness. Man, there are times I'll come back home and I will just sit in the parking lot on the driveway, sit in the car and just wait to see the lights go out before I go inside. Wow. Sometimes I will get back. There's this place. There's this place I go, you know, I will just leave the house just to go. There's this park I usually go to just park there. Just let the time run run out. Sometimes I will probably just sleep in the car just because I just don't want to be at home. Because if I'm there and she's going crazy, the girls are going to be hearing it as well. You know, it's really sad. Through all of this, um, and I'll speak for what it's like with my son. My son is an incredible source of joy. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And you have two, two. children. Yes. So you've got double the potential of an incre- incredible sources of joy. Yes. But your fear, your dismay, your resentment was so great it overdid the joy from children? I would say the joy I have with my children, I mean, nothing can beat that. Mm. Even then. But the environment has to be a sustainable environment for them. It has to be a good environment for them. And if my presence there was going to trigger you know, some kind of volatile reaction in my ex, Mm. I'd rather let them stay with their mother let me just come back when they're sleeping it means that I will miss certain times with them and just you know reserve myself to spending time with them in the mornings on the weekends because it's mainly in the evenings that she gets triggered how do you feel the relationship between your ex and the children is, is it, is it a good relationship? Is it an okay relationship? Is it a poor relationship? It's an okay. I would say okay. Mm. Just motherly role. They fear her. They can't talk to her the way they talk to me. She has been physically abusive to them. To the point that I've called the police. I'm, I'm we're talking after divorce. She's, you know, injured my daughter, broken her lip. Jeez. And this is where this is where, again, I bring social services in mm. because I reported this is social services. If it was me, a man, I would be in jail. Social services do not take it serious. I have pictures which I took to the police. They didn't do anything. And I don't know if it's because, you know, we're Africans, we're blacks. I don't know if race comes into this somehow. Mm. So what sort of negligence on the part of the authorities when they see someone causing this kind of injury to their own child? So I know that at this point in time that we are speaking, I'm getting ready for battle. Put it that way, because my daughters don't have to suffer. You know? So what did you do? I'm going to spend money again. This time out, I'm going to go hard. I was lenient the first time. But this time, my daughters are getting older. 
they need to enjoy being a child. So I'm going to go hard this time around and, you know, just getting my legal team ready. Mm. Because I know what they've gone through. I mean, sometimes, I mean, there's been times where, like when my daughters are with me, like the older one, I think she's the one that's probably gotten the brunt of her mother. Mm. You know, and when I think about it, it makes me, gosh, it makes me sad, man. Sometimes when she does something or breaks something, and I'm close to her. Let's say, for example, she broke a wine glass and um, I just turned around to see what happened. The first thing she'll do is like put her hand in front of her face to block her face. Maybe she was thinking I was going to hit her. Like her mother does. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Mm. I'm like, do you think I'm going to hit you? Like, I won't do that. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not like your mother. I'll never do that to you or hit you. And I'll say that to both of them. But I know she's got, she's the one that, the, the older one is the one that got the brunt of it. So I just nurture them with love. And even when I, when I have to discipline, mm. not physical discipline, I don't have to hit. Mm. And they're girls for that matter. It doesn't matter, boy, girl. My, my my way of discipline is not by hitting. You know, it's about talking and explaining things. And if I have to discipline you, okay, go sit down in the room. Mm. Sit down on the floor. Go to the bottom of the stairs and sit down. Of course, I have to discipline. But it's not that kind of violent discipline that will put fear in the child, in, in your, you know, in your child's mind. Mm. You know, I got that growing up with my parents. I don't have a good relationship with them like I would have, you know, wanted. Because it was, when you rule by fear, you know, you get the outcome of it. You don't mm. get anything back in return. And in the end, you just have nothing. So how did the divorce papers come through then? Well, after more than 20-something <laughs> thousand pounds <laughs> in court. 20,000 pounds in court yeah, fees. Yeah, more than 20-something thousand. I can't remember how much, you know, each time I go to court with a barrister, even if they spend 10 minutes, I will still have to pay that 1,000 pounds or 1,000 plus. Yeah. Um, so it was two things. It was a divorce and the divorce happened anyway. Mm. But it was also fighting. Most of why, um, most of the reason why the court battle dragged them was because of the custody. You know? I didn't want her to have custody of the children because I know that they will suffer in her hands. Mm. So eventually the settlement came to about um, 60-40 or, yeah, nearly 60-40. It wasn't 50-50. Mm. They weren't going to give me 50, um, they weren't going to give me full custody. Even after all that I presented to the court, even the police report, they deliberately, even my own lawyer, mistake I made, maybe was, I don't know if it was having a female lawyer was the wrong idea, but my goodness, evidence was suppressed by the courts. Not by the court, but I would say maybe social services, my own lawyer as well. 
It was messed up. I, I don't know how the court system works, but couldn't that be challenged based on the fact that you know you presented certain evidence? Man, the longer I challenge, the longer, uh, how much money will I spend in the end? So I, what what was giving was safe enough. 60-40, okay. 60-40 in favor of her? Yeah. In okay. favor of her. It must be painful to digest. It, it was. It was. And now? Um, the girls are grown. Mm. Yeah. A lot of what they went through could have been avoided. I'm the more stable parent. Emotionally, mentally, financially, in every way. I'm the more stable one. She's just a figurehead mother. You know, that's an interesting comment. Because I don't think anybody would ever perceive themselves as the worst parent. If they were being... No, no, I, dis I, I disagree with that. I think if you are being honest with yourself, if you are being honest with yourself, and I've heard some parents say, I wish I did more for my children. Hmm. No, so if you are being honest with yourself, as in just strip yourself bare and be honest with yourself and ask yourself, have you been the best parent to your child? The answer will be with you. See, the reason why I make that comment is a lot of what you're raised on becomes your reality. And in particular, I'm referring to episode 40. Mm-hmm. This girl grew up in a home where physical abuse is a sign of love. This is, this is what the dad taught in the home. If I beat you up, it's because I love you. If I don't love you and I don't care about you, you walk scot-free. I'm beating you up because I love you. So I'm beating your mom, I'm beating you, I'm beating wow. your brothers, your sister to show you I love you. So this girl then grows up. And in the relationships that she's in, the guy is abusive. And because this is what she's grown up seeing, oh, he loves me. Because this is what dad has taught us and this is what we know. But then, if we are being honest with ourselves, mm -hmm. we will look at the factors, you know, we will look at the, we will look at, we'll, if we're being honest with ourselves, we will know that we're being delusional because it is not the norm when we engage with other families, other, other people who are couples or whatever, we will question ourselves, we will question our own reality. Because there are standards, multiple standards around to measure ourselves by. And if that person in episode 40 was being honest with herself, she would know that, oh, Family A, that doesn't happen there. He doesn't beat his wife or children. Family C, oh, that doesn't happen there. Okay, maybe it happens in D, but then you get where I'm coming from. And then you start to assess your own reality and ask the question, why are these people so much in love and they are not being beaten? So we have to somehow perform you know easier said than done it's easier said than done i know because just to add a little dynamic to that and and i won't go down that route too much mm -hmm. she actually says 
I wish I had friends. Ah. Then the friends could have at least said to me, this is not right. Right. Then I'd have a basis for comparison. So imagine right, she... so she didn't have that no, basis for comparison. No. And she actually says it, that I wish... Ah, uh, and it's I one see. of the lessons. Oh, wow. That network of friends and family is important because then it gives you what you're showing which which, which is the alternative view yes could that be why my ex then eve was trying to eliminate my friends from my life or family good question everyone turn yeah good question because my friends were valuable people and people who Mm. were who would not lie to me Mm. and i don't like to have friends or i don't have friends who would just tell me what i want to hear i have friends who would tell me you did this wrong. Yeah. You shouldn't have done it that way. And I'll yeah. listen and I'll take yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. You know, I like friends to be honest with me. Mm. You know, so yeah. Healing, right? Let's just talk healing very, very briefly. Yes. So I lost my mom nine years almost almost ten years ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, no, it's yeah, good. I'm that. definitely a lot better now than I was wow. on day one that it happened. Because yes. time genuinely does heal. You never forget. Mm-hmm. But the pain does become less. How painful is this still for you today? Are you are you healing at all? It's not painful. It's, it's not painful. No. Okay. It's way. I mean, nah. It's not painful. It's over. You know, the only thing that kind of yeah, my main focus, like I say, is my my daughters. Mm. Yeah, and it's a case of. It is what it is. I'll see what I can do in terms of improving their situation, um, helping them have an enjoyable child, you know, childhood. Yeah, which is important. Which Again, is important. Yeah. Yes. Um, but in terms of my own healing, not just my own healing, it's also you know my daughter's healing as well, mm. which I am also looking into. I mean, we've talked openly about many things, even what's happened, mm-hmm. and um. You know, I have considered, you know, I have considered um, getting some kind of, um, I don't know if I'll say therapy for them as well, but I'm cautious about that on the other hand because, you know, they are young and I don't want um, therapists or whatever you call them to plant any seeds by that you know what psychologists do um so I, I just use my own um my my love to just nurture them you know and we are quite spiritual people so we do you know we are christians you know so that um regular um study of the bible is something that has helped us heal and has helped me heal a lot um, it wasn't an easy road. I had to eliminate a lot of people from my life. Um, just maintain a few good friends that I know are pillars of support to me. Mm. Yes. And that was essential. And I just immersed myself in my work and my spirituality. My work, you know, as an entrepreneur, just, it's my hobby. Mm. There are no reservations per se about the past or anything I hang on to. I sleep well at night. 
you know, been a long road, been a long road, really long road to get to where I am today. And I've been conscious about a lot of um, what I do. And in a way, you know, people might, you know, find this crazy. I think your listeners might think, what is he talking about when I say this? Mm. I'm glad that what I went through happened from where I sit now, because I have been able to use all the lessons from that, you know, turn that around into something good. A lot of what I'm doing now, the books I have, you know, the books I have planned, my book projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of that information is in, it's, is being used. You know, I've been, I think I've been taken to the school of life through that experience with Eve. So now I thank God for giving me the strength mm-hmm. to deal with it and that I haven't allowed it to take my life, you know, or I haven't developed anything like a heart disease, stress, mental health issues, stroke. Mm. I mean, I'm in my late 40s, getting to 50s. I'm healthy, I'm fit, but mentally, and my energy is just on a different level with everything I'm doing right now. So what happened to me? Yeah, it was, um, it was a big lesson Yeah, that I've learned so much from. And I'm grateful for the lessons that came out of it. The experience were, were crazy, where, you know, I wasn't um, really pleased about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm grateful for the lessons and what it is producing for me in my life now. And the product of all that is something that I'm benefiting from mm-hmm. and um, will, benefit, will benefit me and many more people mm-hmm. that will um, benefit from them. And, you know, this... Podcast is also one of them. People hear my experiences. No, oh, yeah, definitely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So. And I guess that leads me to 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 my last question. Yes, next wife. <laughs> <laughs> is is that a thing or it's not? Has this? You see, I mean, has this has this marred the image of marriage for you? Or? No, 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 it hasn't. It's actually intensified it because um, for me, marriages are. It's a powerful institution. And um, I think the, the only way I will have a fulfilling relationship with a woman is in marriage. So it's got to be with someone who understands the values of marriage and is willing. I've been single for, you know, okay, I dated someone and I, you know, I alluded to her in mm. episode one. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was Jennifer. That was only six months. But I've been single for... This is the longest period of my life that I've been single, mm. you know, and I'm grateful for it. It's, teaching, it's, it's, it's taught me self-control. Mm-hmm. It's taught me that, well, if I'm hungry for sex, just hold it, man, you know, and um, yeah, I, just, I just don't want to bring in any crazy woman in my life just because of that. You know, and besides, when you, when you, are, when you have so much at stake right now, with the work I'm doing and with my daughters, mm-hmm. all those things um, inform my decision and my actions. Right. 
So I'm not going to be careless with that. So wife number three will happen when I find that person who shared the same value with me. Mm. But wife number three will not be wife number three. She'll be wife number one because she'll be the one that fulfills my desire as a woman. Wicked. So these two, you know, wife number one and wife number two, Mm. they were just experiments. And hope that you do the same for for, for the person who's going to be wife number three converted into wife number one. I have a lot of value to offer, you know, and, you know, um, every... Wife number one and wife number two, if they're honest with themselves, they will say yes. I, you know, wife number one, you know, mentioned to a mutual friend that they regret leaving me. Oh. Yes. Wife number two, Mm. Eve, who we just talked about, Mm -hmm. thought she could, you know, at one point, you know, weave herself back into my life after all that's happened. You know, because they know the kind of person I am. Mm. You know, when I when I give you love, I give you love, and that's it. Nobody else. You know, and I grow with you. You know, and um, everything I have, you know, becomes yours. So, unfortunately for them, they've missed out on that value that I yeah, yeah, yeah. bring. So, um, whoever becomes my wife. Will be the winner. Yeah. And I'll just wrap up by giving you the three lessons that came up. First one, listen to yourself. Let me touch on that. You know, so why you do that? So so when you do the lesson, so listen to yourself. Why do I say listen to yourself? Mm-hmm. There's a saying, when in doubt, leave it out. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sometimes we might have inclinations of something. Wait it out with time. Mm. That's why I say listen to yourself. Mm. When in doubt, don't. That's really powerful. Yeah. Lesson number two, assess every situation you encounter. You have to. Mm. You have to. Why is it happening? Mm. What is it doing to me? Who is involved? Where is it going to lead me? How will it materialize? You've got to visualize it. Mm. And that's how I, you know, put that into context. This is your assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Of the situation of yourself and you know everybody else around you mm. you've got mm. to you've got to you have to and lesson number three just be the driver of your own destiny not family not friends a lot of the times we allow friends and family to tell us where to go it'd be the wrong it'd be the wrong thing to do mm. because in the end if where you, if the choices you make are based on what your family wants you to do you never, or friends. Re- you never really live for yourself. Then you do don't you? live for yourself. You're going to yeah. be empty. Mm. So make your own mistakes. I made my own mistakes and I'm living with it and I'm good. Mm. Mm. You know, and I learned from my own mistakes. So don't be afraid to, you know, make your own mistakes. Don't take the, you know, the cowardly way out by listening to somebody else and think, okay, they know better. Mm. Yeah, you you know better mm. because it's you wearing the shoes. And for those who are listening to this episode of The Feeling Station, I hope you found something that will make you think deeper if you're going through the same experiences. And that's why the podcast is here, for you to learn from my guest's experience. 
I'm your host, Tinto, and you've been listening to another episode of The Feeling Station, and I'll catch you in next weekend's episode. Peace. Satis on Daru Raini and Jackie's Satis on Daru Raini and Let me talk about my feelings. Let me talk about my feelings. Yeah. Rudoy Motor, no talk with Jitiro Amai. Love is a 